So we've got Bally coming up any moment now, and he's going to be bringing us our next, uh, well, next, our first part in this series. He's going to be starting uh, the life of a disciple. I don't know if you remember a few months ago, we gave these out. Do you remember these, church? Yes. If you haven't got one, email me and I will send you one. If you don't have my email address, contact me on Facebook and I will send you one. It'll be a PDF version. But this sets out our vision, our heart, uh, our, what, what we're trying to do as a church, what we're trying to be as a church. And one of those key things is a life of a disciple. What does a disciple look like? And Bally is going to bring us our first part in our message. We're going to go straight to his home and we're going to be live. And he's going to talk about his prayer. So over to you, Bally. Thank you, Tim. Good morning, church. It's welcome uh, to Sunday service in the new way that we are getting used to. Um, I can't see any one of you this morning, but I hope that you can see me well and hear me well. So I'm going to talk to you on a more appropriate subject as we are all in lockdown. We see in the Bible that 2000 years ago when the disciples, they all went into lockdown. The thing they did while they were in lockdown was to pray. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about, especially as we are facing this pandemic. We see that all over news and media and leaders and countries, people are scared and worried and anxious. Uh, one of the things that we have noticed is that presidents and prime ministers and medical staff and pastors and uh, ordinary people, they are all getting more and more into prayer. People are focusing more on prayer nowadays. So I'm gonna to talk to you this morning and the next few minutes on prayer. It's a vast subject. There are hundreds and hundreds of books out there if you go to a Christian bookshop, um, but I won't be able to cover all of them. But this morning, I'm going to talk to you about personal prayer, not about corporate prayer, but personal prayer. A mark of a true disciple is, is a, a disciple, true disciple is the one who prays. We see in the life of Jesus that Jesus always prayed. He always took time to pray. If prayer was such an important subject in the life of Jesus, how much more is it important to us? It is far more important for us, no matter what time, what circumstances, what situation that we are in, prayer is an integral part of the life of every disciple. And that's the reason why Jesus taught his disciples on how to pray. Jesus did not teach his disciples how to preach, how to prophesy, or even how to worship. But Jesus did teach them on how to pray. So this morning, we're going to look at prayer. And just before we start, and I want to just mention something that, is there a question? Um, some people say, is there a correct way to pray? I have heard people say that, well, no, just say what's on your heart. If that's true, then why would Jesus bother to teach his disciples to pray. And there is a correct way to pray. And also we see in the Bible, James says in book of James that some of you ask, but you do not receive. The reason you do not receive is because you do not ask correctly. So and therefore as disciples, we must learn how to pray properly according to the scripture. So before we start looking into how to pray, I'm going to mention a couple of things. First of all is 
there's a precondition to prayer. It says in Hebrew chapter 11, verse 6, I'll read it for you. This is what it says. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So the condition, precondition to prayer is, first, we must believe that God exists before even we start our prayer. And the second thing is that we must believe, have faith, that God will reward us when we ask him. And that is the condition, first precondition of the prayer. And the second one is that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, and this is what he said. Listen to Jesus. He said that do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. There are a couple of things to look in there. And Jesus said, so when you pray, first of all, be aware, know that you are praying to your father. Even though we are praying to the creator of the universe but he's still our father there's a difference because if my next door neighbor comes to me and asks for something that they're asking me to do a favor or grant them something but they have no relationship with me at all but if my son comes to me and asks me something he's not just asking me he's asking his father he has that right he has that relationship with me so that he can come to me so we need to be aware of that when we come to God's presence to pray that he is our father, that we are his children. And therefore, God has intended to give us the right thing. And also, it is relational. Prayer is a relational. Prayer is not a list of petitions, things that we want. Always God, it's, it's not like a shopping list that we come to God with. Prayer is more of a relationship than anything. You may ask, why do I say that? If you just look at that passage, Matthew chapter 6, during that passage, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, the number of time in the prayer Jesus addressed to God as Father. There is not a single verse in there in that prayer where Jesus addressed to God as God, but he addresses him throughout the prayer as Father. So prayer is a relational thing. So let's get to the structure of the prayer. I would like to talk to you when we come to pray. What, Jesus, what did Jesus say about prayer? We, all, we are all familiar with the Lord's Prayer. And this is how the Lord's Prayer goes in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 onwards. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we have prayed this prayer so many times, and most of us remember by memory. But the thing is, this is not the prayer. It's a model of prayer. It's a structure. Jesus tells his disciples how our prayers should be structured. The first thing we notice is the prayer contains worship. Jesus addressed God, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So when we come to worship, pray to God, first and foremost, we must know as disciples that we need to give God the due respect. He's our Father, but at the same time, 
He is the creator of the entire universe. He deserves our reverence. He deserves our honor. So don't just straight away jump into your needs and start belting out your petitions. When we come to prayer, we must always be aware that we must come in humility and give him the honor and the glory that he deserves. Secondly, in that prayer, we see Jesus teaches, Jesus says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus talks about God's will. Very often when it comes to prayer, it's not arm twisting. People think sometimes prayer changes everything. No, prayer doesn't change, doesn't change everything. Prayer must first change you. Prayer must change me first. In the Bible, we see when Jesus came to pray to his father in the Garden of Eden, he prays the same prayer three times. And every time when he prayed, Jesus said, Father, if it's your will, please take this cup away from me. But yet not my will, but yours be done. So when we come to prayer, we must be aware all the time that we yield ourselves. We surrender ourselves to God's will in our prayer, not twist thinking that I can somehow twist God's arms to get what I want. It doesn't work. God is not a genie so that we can rub this uh, lamp and then he pops out of it and say, here I am at your service. What can I do for you? No, that's not how prayer works. Prayer needs to be aligned with God's word because Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse seven, this is what he said. Let me read it for you. Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So the secret of an answered prayer is to praying according to God's will. But how do we know that we are praying according to God's, God's will? It's only when we abide in God's word and when God's word abide in us that we know that we are praying according to his will because we know his word. We understand his word. We know what he has taught us in his word. And therefore we pray according to his word. And then God answers our prayers. And the third thing that we look in Jesus' prayer is that he said, give us this day our daily bread, which symbolizes being specific about our not praying for everything that you can think of. Yes, it's fine if you want to, but be specific. And notice when Jesus said that, he said, Give us this day our daily bread. He didn't pray, give us food for the next week. I mean, for those of us who live in the West, in, this, in a slight form, this is not actually appropriate because we never pray for the daily bread because we have our fridge and freezers and cupboards stocked up for a week, especially in the midst of COVID. Most of us got plenty of food in our house. We don't even have to think about what we're going to eat for tomorrow. But what Jesus is saying in our prayers, we must be dependent on God for each day for our sustenance, for our physical needs, for our mental needs, for our emotional needs, for our spiritual needs. Each day we must come to him to get what we need and he is aware of what we need. And the fourth thing we see in that prayer, Jesus says that, let me just read that passage again, Matthew 6. And he says, Forgive us our debts 
as we also forgive our debtors. What does that mean? We need to come in our prayer with an attitude of reflection and soul searching. How often when you pray, you actually taken the time to search your soul and ask yourself the question, how am I doing? Honestly, how am I doing? How is my heart? Is it in the right place with God? Is it in the right place with others? Or is there anything in me that is hindering? Or is there anything in me that God sees that it's not right? We need to be able to search our souls. David in Psalms 51, he says, search me, O God, search me and see if there's any wicked ways in me. Try and know me, God. And that's what David is saying, because at that point, David has sinned against God. He had killed an innocent man. He had committed adultery and he comes to God's presence. And then when he comes to God and he says, please search me and see what is in me. We must have that attitude every single day when we come to God to pray in prayer as disciples. Ask ourselves, God, is there anything in my life today that I have done? I have thought I have said that it's not pleasing to you. If there's anything in me, please show me so that I may confess that you may forgive me. You may say, well, if God knows everything, why? Why do I bother? Well, how about you being in a relationship and if that person knows all of your need, whether it's your husband and a wife, they never talk to you. They just provide you everything that you need. Do you think that relationship is actually a relationship? No, none of us would enjoy that kind of relationship. So we must remember that when we come to God, God is interested in us in having a relationship. And see when in, in the Garden of Eden, when God walks into the garden, he was looking for his friend, Adam, but Adam has sinned. And therefore he has withdrawn from God. And God is saying, Adam, where are you? It's not because God didn't know where he was, but he wants to make Adam aware that he wasn't actually in the place where God has placed him. He has moved on. So sometimes we could find ourselves in the same position. We are so used to praying also for all sorts of things, but never actually have taken time to stop and search our souls. So that is very important. So we search our souls. We ask God to show what's in there. We ask for God's forgiveness. If it involves us going to someone else and asking for forgiveness, then we must do that as well. And the fifth point, and Jesus said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Here we go. Jesus is making his disciples aware. When you come to pray, remember that you are in a spiritual battle. You are fighting you're waging a war against a power that you can't see and that power is always looking for an opportunity to trip you up and jesus said to his disciples in matthew chapter 26 this is what he said he said in chapter 26 verse 41 let me read that for you he says watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak this is when Jesus was betrayed in the garden. Jesus was telling Peter, what he's saying is watch and pray, watch and pray. 
The Greek word for watch here is Gregorios, which means be alert, be awake. So what God is saying, when you pray, don't just pray like mindless prayers, repetitive prayers, but be watchful, be aware of what's going on in you and around you and be aware of your atmosphere, be aware of your circumstances, be aware of what's going on spiritually. Because the enemy, the devil, is always looking to trip us up. That's what Peter said. The enemy is like a roaring lion. He's waiting for an opportunity to devour us. And Paul said in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, be steady, steadfast in prayer and be watchful again. You could see throughout the New Testament, whenever there was an exhortation to pray, and it always accompanied with be watchful and pray. So what I would like to encourage in a short space of time, I know that it's a long, big subject prayer. So I don't want to spend too much of your time trying to go through all of it. But I want us to be aware as disciples. Prayer is not just a list of things that we come to God with. It is far more than that. It is relational. It is about having a relationship with God and out of the relationship, that we come to God in a manner that it brings God's pleasure. It brings God's will into our lives, into our families, into our circumstances, into our countries, into our whatever situation that we may find ourselves. And therefore, this afternoon, I would like to encourage you as you go and spend the rest of the week, think about how you are praying. One of the most important thing in your prayer, even if you don't remember all of it, remember to honor God first. Remember that your prayer is in alignment with God's word. Remember that you are in a battle against the enemy. Remember that your heart needs to be always in tune with God, that when God sees you, when you come to God, when you stand before God in prayer, that God doesn't see you, that you got things in you that's hindering your prayer. Because Jesus did say that we are forgiven in the same way that we forgive others. And it reminds me um, a story uh, years back, about 25 years back, when I was used to uh, coordinating the Bible training school uh, back in Sri Lanka. And one of the students one day he came to me and he said, uh, you know, I have been praying to God and I have this faith that God is going to give me a motorbike. And I looked at him, uh, for those of you who don't know why motorbike, because in Sri Lanka at that time, 25 years ago, all the pastors had motorcycles because that was their main form of commute. So he wanted one as well. So he said, I've been praying to God that he would give me a motorbike. And I said to him, okay, that's fine. So what if God doesn't give you a motorbike? And he looked at me and he said, he wasn't very happy with my response. And he said to me, what do you mean he won't give me? Bible says, if we ask in faith, he will give us. So I'm asking God, he will give me one. So I looked at him again and I said, yes, I know that scripture. And I said, but my question to you, what if God chooses not to give you one? Then he came, came back and said again, he said, well, you are talking unbelief into my life. That is unbelief that you're trying to sow into me. But 
the Bible says if we believe, if we ask anything in Jesus' name, then we will get what we ask for. I said, I understand that. I have no question or doubt about God's ability to give you a motorbike. My question is, what if God chooses that he doesn't want to give you one? He didn't like my answer. He didn't want to answer, uh, face that question. And he walked away. And I don't know what happened to that guy. He never finished his training. And I don't know where he went. So what I'm trying to tell you, friends, sometimes we come to God with a personal agenda. And the agenda is, God, here is a list of things that I've written. I just want you to put your signature on it. What if we do it the other way around? We take a blank sheet of paper and put our signature on it and say to God, Lord, here is my will. You write whatever you want on that and I will abide by it. See, that's the kind of prayer that Jesus prayed in Garden of Gethsemane. See, Adam, he was given a choice in the first garden in Eden. A choice between his will and God's will. God's will is eat the fruit of life by Adam's will. I want to know what is right or wrong for myself. Adam chooses his own will over God's will. He wants to be the master of his own destiny. What happens? The entire humanity and its future was affected by it. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, in the Garden of Gethsemane, has the same choice, choosing his will or choosing his father's will. Jesus chooses his father's will. The outcome, entire humanity is saved from hell. So, my friends, this Sunday, I would like to finish by saying this. Always when you come to pray, ask the question, whose will are you praying to be done? That is the mark of a true disciple. May God bless you. Have a great Sunday.